0: Good and gracious God, as we gather together as your church, empowered by your Holy Spirit because of the work of Jesus Christ, let us now gather to hear the testimony of your word. Let our hearts be tender toward it. Let us have the ears to hear and the eyes to see what it is that you are doing And how you are calling us forward in our walk, in our relationship with you. Lord Jesus, that you would be glorified today through the hearing of this word preached. And it's in your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles with you or if you want to grab a pew Bible and go ahead and open to Matthew chapter 28. That is the very last chapter of Matthew. So if you just want to turn to Mark and then go back one page, you'll be there. Um, And so we're going to be in Matthew uh, chapter 28 this morning. And if you open your bulletin, you would have seen that there's a question that we we are answering today. As we have been answering a single question every week for the last four weeks. Because we have been going through this series, Are You New Here?, And it's really a series for all of us about what it means to be a part of this body at First Pres specifically. What has it meant to be Presbyterian? What does it mean to be elect? How am I called by God in the midst of being a covenant partner? Because we don't use the word membership. We talk about our life together as covenant partnership, one where God has ordained it through his work in Jesus Christ and that we would then work together. But our question this morning, if you've seen in the bulletin, is am I expected to serve? And so I'll go ahead and give you the short answer, yes. End of sermon, we can all go home, right? Because now you all understand serving is an expectation. Yes, it is. However, it might not be in the way that you think. Because I think oftentimes in churches when we hear, am I expected to serve? And that when churches make these calls to serve, what they're really saying is, hey, you who are sitting in a pew, I need you to be doing something for this church. You need to be serving in a capacity, whether you're, you're serving as a greeter on the greeting team, whether or not you're sitting at the welcome desk, whether or not you're uh, helping in the children's ministry, whether you're helping launch a youth program for First Pres. Those are the things that we hear when we hear the expectation to serve. But I want to tell you this morning, and I'm not asking you, to serve in that capacity, at least not this morning. We need you to serve, and if you feel that the Lord is calling you to serve in that way, then amazing. Maybe you just are really hearing the call this morning, it's time to get trained to become an elder, and you're just like, yes, I've always wanted to be an elder in the church, great, But this morning, as we open this passage, I want us to view servanthood as something more. I want us to actually see serving as stewardship of our entire lives, as Christ is calling us further in relationship with him and in relationship with the world. And so the message this morning is not you're you're not going to hear plug into some ministry of this church, lead in some capacity. Because to be honest, yeah, it matters, but it doesn't matter as much as the true call to serve at the whim of not your pastor, not the elders of first pres, not of any human entity, but to serve at the beckoning of Jesus. Jesus. And so let us read our passage this morning from Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. This is a passage we're all probably very familiar with, but I want us to hear it again. And Jesus came up and spoke to his disciples, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to keep all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Praise be to the Lord for the good news. As we read this passage this morning... We're struck by one initial thing in verse 18. It's Jesus coming up to his disciples and saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All power belongs to Jesus. Everything is him. In fact, Scripture tells us that all things were created in him and through him and for him. All creation is for Jesus. And so the Father has given Jesus all authority on heaven and earth for it. And so Jesus is the one, the preeminent one, in which all power and authority resides for anything that is to happen in heaven and earth. And so when we think about our service, it is first and foremost under the authority that comes from Jesus. And so when we start thinking about that authority of Jesus, we have to know that he he controls in three different offices and that he is calling us to those same offices, to serve in those same offices. And so what I mean by that is Jesus is serving as a prophet, as a priest, and as a king. And as his people, under his authority, he is also calling us to the same role of prophet, priest, and king. And so we have been called to serve his kingdom in this world as a prophet, as a priest, and as a king. And as we hear these words of Jesus, his commissioning, Of his disciples, we hear all three of those roles, those offices being described for them to go out into all the world. And so I want us to break down as we read this passage, we'll turn to some other scriptures to elaborate how we see the role of prophet, priest, and king. How this expectation to serve and to steward our lives for Jesus and for his kingdom is all found in his great commission. And so as we open, we see that Jesus is saying, well, I want you to go into all the world. I want you to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And usually they stop there, but Jesus kept going. And he says, teaching them to keep all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, so the first thing that I want us to see is how Jesus is calling us to steward our life to serve Him through the role as His prophets. Now, first and foremost, the, when we hear the word prophet, we probably immediately start thinking about the Old Testament and we start thinking of of like Isaiah and we start thinking of of Jeremiah and these prophets, how they were almost kind of speaking in a way. About future events. But I want to go ahead and clarify that being a prophet isn't being a fortune teller. To be a prophet isn't to go and share with somebody their future or to tell them about what's coming down the road and that if they do X, Y, and Z, it's going to lead to these things. No, that's not what a prophet is. In fact, even if we look at the Old Testament prophets and we look at some of the prophecies that they foretold of what was coming in the future, it was all about one thing. It was about being a messenger from God. In fact, if we open to 1 Peter, chap, or 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, not 21. Verse 1, there's only one chapter, and sorry. 1 Peter, 2 Peter, chapter 1, verse 21. Too many numbers, I'm getting confused. But it says this, this is what Peter says. It says, for no prophecy was ever made by the will of man, but men being moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. God. And so the role of a prophet is to be a messenger of God filled with the Holy Spirit to speak the truth of what God wants his people to hear. And that can be clearly evidenced in the Old Testament. All the prophets ever did was speak truth. They were speaking for God to the people. And so in a way we could say that prophets are truth revealers. They reveal the truth to the people around them. But that's kind of what we're thinking about when we just limit it to the Old Testament. But what is New Testament prophecy? What does that look like, and what does that mean? Well, Graham Cook, and how appropriate that we are talking about this on Pentecost Sunday. Graham Cook, in the exercise of prophecy, says, This is the key to what it means to live in New Testament prophetic. Because in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is available to all. Where in the Old Testament, the Spirit was limited to a few. And so as we start to unpack that, we realize that All of us now have access to the same Spirit of God that the prophets of the Old Testament had access to when they were called to be messengers of God, when they were called to speak truth and reveal truth to the people. And at Pentecost, the Father sent the Holy Spirit to all believers that they would be filled with the Spirit to have that same kind of ability to speak truth truth to the people. What's more, Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 3, when he's specifically speaking about prophecy, he says this, but the one who prophesies speaks to men for edification, exhortation, and encouragement. Other translations would translate it They speak to men for encouragement, strengthening, and for comfort. You see, the gift of prophecy for us in this New Testament living under the new covenant by the power and authority of Jesus through his Holy Spirit is to encourage one another and one of the greatest ways that we can encourage one another is by revealing truth. The truth of the good news of Jesus, the work that he did on the cross. Anytime we tell the good news, the gospel, we're being prophetic. Anytime we share anything out of scripture to one another, we're telling truth. We're being prophetic. Also, anytime we hear the still small voice of the Holy Spirit calling us to strengthen and comfort somebody. We're being prophetic. This is the work of prophecy in our lives. That's what it means to be truth revealers to those by the sharing of the good news of the kingdom and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so when we look at the great commission that Jesus gives, he says, what are we to do? We're supposed to go and make disciples. How do we make disciples? By telling the truth. By acting as New Testament prophets, revealing the truth of Jesus Christ to everybody around us. By proclaiming the good news of Jesus Graham Cook continues, The only way that the church can have any presence in the world today is to demonstrate the work of God in everyday life. People are not open to hearing about God. They want to see God at work because they live in a show-and-tell world. We encounter people In this movement of prophecy, by revealing truth and letting them encounter truth for themselves. By revealing to them that the work of God is still powerful. That the Holy Spirit is still living and active and moving among his people within his church. To go out into all the world and spread the good news of his kingdom. And so this first thing that we are called to in the stewardship of our lives is to be prophets, just as Jesus was a prophet. And he has handed all his authority over to us to do the same as his servants. The second thing that we do is that we are to live as priests. Jesus, as we have talked many times in here, is the great high priest, right? The one with whom he knows everything about us. How he came and lived the same life that we live so that he was not unable to sympathize with us. And so, one thing that a priest is not a priest is not the person that stands up here and does all the things, it's not an exclusive role in the church of God. It's not an exclusive role for the children of God. It's not an exclusive role for the people of God or in the kingdom of God. A priest is one who mediates on behalf of people to God, Hebrews chapter 5. It is one who makes intercession on behalf of others, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. But I think most importantly, A priest is one that is a teacher of God's word. In fact, in Leviticus chapter 10, verses 8 through 11, we hear Yahweh commission Aaron as a priest. He says, Do not drink wine or strong drink, neither you nor your sons with you, when you come into the tent of meeting, so that you will not die. It is a perpetual statute throughout your generations. And so as to separate between the holy and the profane and between the unclean and the clean, and so as to instruct the sons of Israel in all the statutes which Yahweh has spoken to them through Moses. The role of Aaron as a priest, first and foremost, was to be a teacher of the law to the people, was to instruct people in the ways of God to let them know of all his commandments and to obey them. That was what the call was of a priest in the Old Testament. And it was a very limited and very specific role. In fact, it was limited just to Aaron's lineage for the Levites. They were the ones that were to be the priestly class, to be those primary keepers and teachers of the law of God. However... Also, in Peter, First Peter this time, getting it right, chapter 2, Peter writes this, verses 9 and 10, but you, referring to the people that he, that he is writing to, which is us, you are a chosen family, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So who is a priest? Everybody everybody that is part of God's chosen family, everyone that can call themselves a child of God, anyone who has proclaimed the name of Jesus and has professed it with their mouth and believes him to be Lord in their heart, you are a priest. In fact, it's one of the main things about what it means to be reformed. And when Martin Luther was writing his 95 theses, one thing he kept in mind was that the priesthood was limited in the Catholic Church. There was only one who had the authority to read the Word of God, to interpret the Word of God, and to deliver the Word of God. But Scripture is clear. All of us have access to the same God, to the same Scriptures, to interpret them and to speak them to one another. All of us are a part of the priesthood. J.V. Fesco says that all believers are priests means that not only ministers, but also the person in the pew has the right and authority to read, interpret, and apply the teachings of the Bible. In fact, I love uh, one of the places that we see this so clearly is in Acts. In the Acts of the Apostles, in chapter 17, Paul is among the Bereans. And the Bereans are a very well-studied people. And what we read in verse 11, it says, Now these Bereans, they were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the Scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. And so, as our call to be a priesthood of believers, as our call to be priests in the world, we serve as teachers of the Word of God, teaching one another what it is that the good Word says, being knowledgeable of all of its contents, I'm reminded in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, that we are to hold the book of the law close. In fact, the way Joshua writes it, he actually says that we are to keep the word. And we're not just supposed to keep it. We're supposed to meditate on it day and night so that we would have it close to us. And that in its closeness to us, that we would be able to do all that is written in it. And that when we do all that is written in it, we would be successful and prosperous. We're called to be teachers of the word of God, every single one of us. We're also called to be mediators of God to people, to make intercession on their behalf. What do we do during our time of prayer? We all prayed as priests. We made intercession for other people. We made intercession for Cecilia because all of us had been granted the same access. We talked about it before during our season of Lent, but when the veil was torn in the temple, it meant that all had access to the same God not just the single high priest. And so you're called to act in that way and serve in that way and steward your life in that way as well. Now the last one is a little bit more complicated, or it could seem to be. It is that we are supposed to act in the role of a king to the world, just as Jesus is king over this world. Now oftentimes we hear the word king and we think, Oh, that means that I'm supposed to lord my life over somebody else, right? I get to tell somebody else what to do. Wouldn't that be fun? (laughs) But that's not what God is saying. In fact, if we turn to the Old Testament, and we turn to Deuteronomy chapter 17. In Deuteronomy, we actually start to receive a lot of the law fleshed out. But specifically in chapter 17, God is careful to give the laws for the king. What is the role of king according to the law of God? It is this, that when he sits on the throne, that the king shall write for himself a copy of the law on a scroll in the presence of the Levitical priests, and it shall be with him. And he shall read it all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear Yahweh his God, to carefully observe all the words of this law and these statutes, that his heart may not be lifted up above his brothers, and that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right or the left, so that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his sons in the midst of Israel. So what does it mean to be king? It means you're one who has hidden the word of God within your own heart. If prophet is to be a messenger to God, to the world, and priest is to be the intercessor and to be a mediator and to be a teacher of the word of God, then the king is the one that holds it close to himself in his own heart for his self. Probably that Joshua 1.8 verse applies more to what it means to be king than what it does to be priest. That you would live your life in a way that reveals God to the world, not by word or deed, but in your own living. How the word of God manifests itself within you. And so, going back to the Great Commission... How does priest and king play its role in there? Well, priest kind of sees its way in baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to keep all that I command you. And king is also wrapped into those same verses because in order to teach what he has commanded, you have to first know what he has commanded You have to be one who has allowed the law to penetrate your own life. And so as we think about these three roles of Christ, we see them then played out in our own life as prophet, priest, and king. And so, are you expected to serve? Yes. But your expectation isn't to serve the church, your expectation is to serve the kingdom of God. To serve Jesus Christ, our King, our priest, and our prophet. And the same authority that He said was given to Him, He then bestows upon us to carry out His great commission in the world. And so, how are you living out your life as prophet, priest, and king to the world around you. Let's pray. Good and gracious God, we see through your great commission how you have called us to the role of prophet, to the role of priest, and to the role of king all of which are not because we have any authority in our own right, but because of the authority that you have which you have granted to us through the power of your Holy Spirit who lives and resides within us. May we go out into all the world proclaiming the good news, teaching the word, and hiding it within our own heart, that we may be better stewards of that which you have already given. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.